Hey everyone, thanks for downloading the CJ Cup 2019 preview. Uh, from the Tour Junkies. We appreciate it. We're going to break it down for you. We're going to give you our key stats, the course preview, the breakdown. we got a different strategy this week when you're playing DFS versus maybe betting outright. So we're going to talk through that, give you some of our favorite picks, our fades, some locks, a few bets. There's a lot of agreement in this one. We didn't plan on that, but there's a fair bit of agreement here. Uh, we're going to get into a couple things. We're going to do the chunk and run tonight. I'm going to give you real golfers, something that I learned that I think will change your game this week if you'll listen if you're playing real golf you're trying to get better at golf we also talk a little bit about the nfl what everybody really actually cares about this time of year in the chunk and run we give some nfl observations so you don't want to miss that listen we have got a interview with uh charles kelly lead singer of lady annabelle one of the biggest country groups ever we've got an interview with charles kelly that has dropped uh, it is phenomenal he is a huge golf nut He's got some great stories in that one, including about Augusta National, a huge bet that he made with Darius Rucker, and guess what? Pat sings on the episode, and Charles tries to harmonize. It is literally life-changing, so you want to cue that up and listen as well. This episode brought to you by our friends at Fantasy National Golf Club, where we get all of our stats. Go to fantasynational.com TJ and get 20% off a monthly or weekly or annual membership. It's the best spot for stats. So there you go. Enjoy the episode. Hope you guys have a great week. And go listen to that Charles Kelly podcast. Well, okay. Um, kind of messed that one up. I'm a little bit rusty. It's been a it's been a couple weeks. All right. Uh, welcome to the Tour Junkies podcast. I just drank out of the wrong... Oh, my gosh. I was sitting there, and I, I drank out of my, my reserve vodka uh-huh. cup. And not the actual drink oh, cup. Oh. So as you just did that, I just drank a straight shot of vodka Fantastic. as we started this. And so we're getting off to a great start after being off last Yeah, week. off last week. I just, I guess, forgot to what buttons I'm supposed to hit. So that was a weird intro. But uh, normally we're a little sharper than that, just by a little bit. But this is, you, you, you have stumbled onto the Tour Junkies podcast. We're here to talk about all things PGA Tour golf all over the world. Right now we are heading to lovely... South Korea, where you better be careful because you step your foot up in North Korea, you you might not return. So we are here. We're excited. It's a good show. We did miss last week. We apologize to everyone. Uh, real life duty called for both of us. And uh, Pat, I believe for the first time in four years, we did not put out a show when there was a PGA Tour event going on. I believe that's correct. I'd, was it really that long? Well, yeah, we've been doing it four years, and so I don't... No, I know that, but I mean, I can't believe... I thought we missed a show before. I don't... Not that I can remember. I mean, I've missed a show, you've missed a show, we've had, a, you know, guests on to replace each other, but uh, yeah, pretty pretty uh, unusual scenario for us, so thank you guys for hanging with us. We've got a great show planned tonight, a lot of good stuff at the end as well. We want to tell you about some exciting stuff that's happening uh, we're going to have a good time on tonight's podcast. We've got a good event with a really strong field tonight. Before we get into it, Pat, I would love to know, uh, I, I'm assuming the podcast juice has something to do with vodka because you said you just accidentally drank the reserve vodka cup. Yeah, well, right now it's just a little Tito's uh, with um, just a, a splash of uh, some lemon juice in there but uh, in club, but uh, it's going to okay. change... I've got a I've got a change to a, a transfusion here, 
Well, this is interesting. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but me and Pat don't really plan a lot uh, on the podcast. We don't talk about our picks beforehand or the research. We also don't share our podcast juice. And uh, I got to say, this is kind of weird, but this is my podcast juice tonight. I am drinking a red wine. And let me just tell you, I mean, how many times have I ever drank red wine on the podcast? It's very rare. Now, if I had a glass only that high, it would be gone within like 15 well, minutes. Well, lucky podcast. for... So I'm hoping you have the bottle Lucky for me. Because otherwise, you're going to be You know, we talk about no free ads on the podcast. We're going to get to the picks in just a second. But we talk about no free ads on the podcast. Well, I, I, I am very recently obsessed with this new bottle of wine that I found, and I'm about to give it a, a free ad. Um, and it is a red blend called Cooper and Thief. It's a red wine blend, but they age it in a whiskey barrel. And I am rather fond of the flavor. Uh, aged in three months, uh, bourbon whiskey barrels. Dark and jammy with some toasty vanilla notes. And let me just tell you, it is a, one of my absolute new favorites. If anybody has any connections with Cooper and Thief and they want to send me a, you know, a box of wine, um, in exchange for this fantastic review we just gave and an ad, I would love it. So, cheers! I will be. Can you imagine if that was like like the name of a law firm or something? It probably would not be a good Thief, name. Probably not. For yeah, a law not firm. ideal. Um, hey Pat, um, I'm excited, man. We got we got we got a, a good event, a strong field here, no cut event, but a strong field. So why don't we get right into the course breakdown? Then we're gonna give you the picks, the strategy that we like, key stats, all that kind of stuff. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the old CJ Cup. Yeah, so uh, CJ Cup this week. Uh, CJ Cup at nine bridges, although there's not nine. Uh, everybody's going to say that anyway, yep. but if you listen to a lot of pods, they're going to talk about that. Um, so, yes, we're at the club at nine bridges on Jeju. Is that how you say it? I'm sure it is. I'm sure, it. I'm sure it is. Jeju Island, uh, South Korea, par 72, <clears throat> playing just under 7,200 yards. You got... Bent grass greens this week, bent fairways. The rough is actually uh, bent overseeded with Kentucky bluegrass. One thing to note is they are at some altitude this week. Uh, this is a kind of a resort area. Uh, I wouldn't say high in the mountains, but they are at 3,500 square feet. It is very exposed to the wind. They're, they're, they're at 3,500 the square feet? I mean, <laughs> 3,500 feet. Uh, okay. Square feet, thirty-five hundred square they're, feet. They're, they're at my house. They're, square they're, feet at, they're area. at my house playing golf. Yeah, they're at your house. Wow, you have a big house. I didn't know your house. Yeah, the bonus room helps out. Um, anyway, very exposed to the wind in a lot of areas, which is uh, what really is the main defense on this course. Uh, they played here twice. They played here in two thousand and seventeen, where JT won, and it was the fourth most difficult course on tour that year because of a lot of wind. And then in 2018, when Brooks just bombed it around this place, um, it was 31st as far as most difficult. So played much easier that year. And I can tell you right now, as far as what I'm seeing with the wind, not a whole lot. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe 10 to 12 sustained on Thursday and Friday, but then settles down a bit, a lot on over the weekend. So um, you got two um, very distinct nines here. You've got the Creek and the Highland. Uh, courses so the creek is more tree-lined and then they kind of go out into the open when they get into the highland part which is the back nine um, which is where a lot of that wind can come into to play you've got two drivable par fours here this week eight and number 14 and then all four par fives are under 600 yards 
all of this tells me that with no wind or very little wind in the forecast, bombers are really going to have an advantage on this course. I think, you know, you do want to look at those that putt well on bent grass greens, but these guys um, that bomb it are going to have a lot better chance to score on the par fives. Also to have uh, on these two drivable par fours, they're going to have a better shot there. Um, so I looked at driving distance. I looked at strokes gained off the tee. Also a little putting on bent. Uh, I think will be important. Um, but again, this is, uh, it's, we'll see. I think it's going to be a scoring fest this week. I think opportunities gained, uh, which is a fantasy national stat that we like to look at, will be important as well. Uh, those guys that are giving themselves a shot at scoring. Uh, so there you go. That's the uh, quick rundown for me for the CJ Cup at Nine Bridges. We've got a new. I can always tell when you're probably getting a, a comment. <laughs> On this well, YouTube shocker, channel, because you start chuckling in the middle of like of me talking. Shocker that it's actually not about you, and it looks like a, a, a new uh, a new face in the YouTube channel brought out a great comment. South Korea, it's basically like Houston, but with worse tacos. And having just been to Houston <laughs> a week and a half ago, I I'm, I think he's pretty much right. I think that's pretty much spot on. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, Pat. I think that was a good breakdown, man. I mean, you're right. The wind is the key here, 100, percent in how this golf course is going to play. You got some pretty generous fairways, as you mentioned, the bent grass greens. Um, this is a, I think it's a bomber's paradise, a ball striker's paradise for sure. Not that a short hitter can't play well. I believe last year you had uh, Shez Revi was like a first round leader, but when you look at the leaderboard, you look at who really goes low here. It's definitely your longer hitters. Um, there's as you've got those drivable fours and and the uh, the par fives that you mentioned. So I'm with you in terms of stats. I mean strokes gained off the tee. Looking at bombers, looking at all your approach and iron play um, uh, from opportunities gained, approach greens and regulation, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I did look at last hundred rounds putting on bent grass. Who's comfortable putting on that bent grass surface? But honestly, man, I think we got to talk about this a little bit with strategy. You got. You've got the people that listen to us for DFS and playing on DraftKings and FanDuel, and then you've got the people that listen to us that are betting. And, and there are some that are both, right? And I, and I think this is an event where you have to attack it in, in different ways. Um, because of the field here, you know, there's 78 players. The top, there, 60 of them are the top 60 in the FedEx Cup, and then you have 18 exemptions. A lot of those exemptions handed out to you know, Korean players, um, to other uh, Asian players. Um, so here's the deal. It's a strong field, but the bottom of that field is quite weak. Uh, I'm not going to get real cute. You're going to find that. Like, I'm not going to get real cute trying to give you some crazy stat on some random, you know, guy that won an event on the Asian Tour a couple years ago, and he may pop. I, I, I just don't think that that's the way to go about doing this. Um, not unless you want to just... I think strong field is a little bit of a stretch. And it's strong at the top, you may say. I mean, this is a pretty strong field, dude. If you look at this field, I, I think this is the, the. I mean, the top sixty are strong. Like top fifty are strong. I guess so. So, I so you're so. you're is... very much eliminating a third of the field to me here. So, for DFS purposes, that means that most of this is going to be. If you're playing in tournaments, is most of it is about ownership. Um, more so than I mean, we talk about GPP and tournament ownership. Um, Every week, no matter what. By the way, in case we've got any new newbies on here, uh, we mean like how popular is that player, right? When we say ownership, when we say GPPs, guaranteed prize pool tournaments, bigger tournaments on DraftKings, where only you know your top twenty percent or so are actually getting paid out. Um, 
that's what we're talking about. We're talking about how, how highly owned, how popular are these players. And you need guys who are not as popular to pop. You don't need all of your guys to not be as popular, but you do need a couple of them, and you do need them to pop. So I think ownership leverage is going to be most important for tournament plays, uh, and I'm going to weigh stats a lot less for that reason when I'm looking at DraftKings. I, I just don't think that you have to get bogged down in the stats um, when it comes to DraftKings, when it comes to that. Everybody's going to be guaranteed four rounds, right? We talked about it, no cut. So unless they withdraw, uh, something something happens, you're going to get your four rounds in. You need guys that can score, make birdies, um, and I just think uh, ownership is going to be key. But in the betting ranks, and I guess we can talk about this uh, as we go, but um, I mean, yes, JT and Brooks are your two winners. Those were obviously favorites, uh, heavy favorites going into both of those years. But when I look at this card and, and the options available, I mean, you know me, I don't, I don't love to bet the short numbers anyway in golf because anybody can pop at any given week. But there's a lot of names down here who are uh, proven contenders on the PGA Tour in strong fields um, that are at triple-digit numbers or you know very, very deep numbers in a field where there's only probably about 50 people in here that could actually win. And, and so you've got 50 guys who can actually win, and I'm looking at, you know, let's just, and we'll get to them, but let's just say we're talking about Harold Varner III. He's 110 to 1. So in terms of strategy for betting, for me this week, um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to lean a lot towards some of those names down there that I think are tremendous value. And my prediction is we're not going to see one of these, uh, you know, uh, short, super short, top three guys, top four guys win this event. I just don't think that happens for the third year in a row. So um, that's my take on the betting piece. We'll get into it. But all that to say, like, I don't think we need to – I don't think listeners should be weighing stats super heavy this week, even if all you're doing is playing DFS. It's, it's, it's ownership, it's leverage, and even in cash, since you have you know, everybody making the cut, you've got to get, you know, ha- you still got to have a little bit of leverage, even in a cash contest. Any other thoughts on that, or are you ready to get into the picks? No, I'm, I'm with you. I think you're, you're completely right, and uh, yeah, let's get into some picks. All righty. Uh, I'm excited, man. Let's, uh, let's get right to this. At the top tier, we're going to go 9K and above. We're going to give you uh, three tournament plays, a cash lock, and a fade. Um, I'm actually going to start at the bottom of the 9K range and work my way up. I'm going to mix it up a little bit. Uh, mix it up a little bit tonight. I like that. Yeah, I yeah, like yeah. That. I'm going to go with Sergio Garcia at $9,100. I like old Sergio playing really, really well uh, over over in old Europe. Um He's he's checking the box and strokes gain off the tee. He putts well on bent grass surfaces as uh, as well. Now he's never played here before. Uh, Sergio has never played the old CJ Cup, but um, I mean, just recently he won the KLM Open in early in, uh, September. He finished seventh at the Open de España, twenty third at the European Masters, seventh seventh at the Andal- Andalusia Masters. So. In four of his last events on the European Tour, uh, a 7th, a win, a 23rd, and a 7th. So Sergio's playing pretty well right now, and, and I don't think he's going to be all that popular. 9100 to get a price savings. So um, I like I like old Serge. Uh, and he's got better odds. When I looked at, at the odds, he actually got better odds than Jason Day and Mark Leishman, two players priced above him. So I think you get a little, I think you get a little discount there. It's, it's hard to pass up on Sungjae. Uh, if I'm working up at $9,700, now Sungjae is going to be a chalky play for sure. 
unless maybe we get one of these things where like everybody says that, you know, and then and then everybody ends up fading him because they think he's chalk, and then he ends up not being so much chalk. But Sung Jay checks every box off the tees, top ten in this field. Strokes game putting, he's top twenty on bent grass. Uh, approach shots, he's top uh, ten in this field as well. Uh, recent results have been phenomenal. He's gained 18 strokes in his last four events, and he did play here for the first time last season, finished 41st. Hometown event for him. By the way, he also just won an event on the uh, Korean PGA, I believe it is. He won the Genesis Championship. Not the Genesis Open that we're used to, but the Genesis Championship he won by two shots uh, just this past weekend. So he's over there. He's geared up. Uh, it's a great course. Jack Nicklaus designed beautiful course that he won on. Um, you know, the competition level that he played on, uh, based on the World Golf Rankings website, was equivalent to the Puerto Rico Open on the PGA Tour. So it's not like he, you know, he won hands down. But, I mean, I believe that's the only win Tony Finau has in his career. So, I mean, it's still winning a golf yeah, tournament, and right. it's winning in Korea. So um, I, I just think it's really tough to avoid Sungjae at 97. Like, like I'll go ahead, and I'll, I guess I'll skip to a fade, because I don't know how you play – Unless again, this comes down to ownership. How do you play Victor Hovland at ten five and not play Sung J M at ninety seven hundred? Like, and I don't even understand that from an odds perspective. Victor Hovland is priced at a, at, a, at shorter odds than Sung J M, and I just think that's an egregious error. I mean, I, I'm I'm a Victor Hovland fan. I think he's the just a, a gem of a human being, and I can't wait for him to win. I think he's super talented, but to have him. At shorter odds in Sung JM is just ridiculous to me. Um, so actually, Victor Hovland is my fade. I'm not going to play Victor Hovland at 10-5. I mean, I think you're I think you're just as well off playing Matt Wolf if you want to play one of the young studs um, who's much cheaper. And um, yeah, I just I'm I'm out on Hovland. And then in tournaments, I'm going to play Justin Thomas. Man, I, I love JT. He loves the Asian swing. Uh, you mentioned he's a winner here. Uh, in the first uh, first event, he finished fourth at the Safeway. Obviously, JT checks every single box. So uh, I'm going JT, M, and Garcia in tournaments. Hovland is my fade. And my cash play, which I would play absolutely anywhere, and I'm, is Rafa. I mean, you can't argue with Rafa's form right now on the European Tour. He has been absolutely lights out on the European Tour, just delivering blows. He had that baby. And now just baby swag all over the place. Mm-hmm. He's played here both years. Finished 11th the first year, third uh, just this past um, uh, just this past year here at the CJ Cup. But listen to his last few finishes uh, on the European Tour. Finished runner-up at the Open de España. Uh, 61st at the Alfred Dunhill. Not great, but he, he really just had one bad round. Um, sixth at the BMW. I mean, he's just the guy's just killing it. So I'm going with Rafa and Cash. That's my that's my picks. I'm going to drink my wine. Wow, so we're going to start off, and now it is a short field event, so that is, um, you know, you tend to get either a lot of disagreement, I guess, or more agreement, and we just across the board here are pretty much in total agreement. I do have a couple guys that I'm going to mention, but I'm going to go ahead and say Sergio was one of my GPP plays. I was with you on that. M, I do like in GPPs, but I had him as my cash play because I think he's just he's just solid yeah. right there. I don't, my, yeah. You know, the, the price is good, whatever. I mean, I don't know. You can play him in cash or GPPs, so I, I'm I'm okay with that. And I, I I do like RCB there as well, but he just wasn't a guy I wrote down. My fade was Hovland. I was the same with you. I just don't think you pay up for for a guy like that. I'd rather play Matthew Wolf, who I may mention later, but I don't like that price at all. So I'm totally with you on Hovland. 
I'll, the, the two guys, though, that I'm on this week that you did not mention, I am, I'm back on Brooks. Look, I know that people will – you know, we talk about ownership, and he's coming off a missed cut in Las Vegas. He is the defending champ, which tends – people tend to fade the defending champ. But, look, when it comes to this event, you know, he's obviously won here before. He checks all the boxes. boxes the boxes. He checks all the boxes. The boxes. You know, I mean, opportunities gained, driving distance, strokes gained approach, par five scoring, everything. I, I like Brooks Koepka at 11-4, and I think you might get him in a little bit lower ownership based off of the injury he talked about that he had some surgery on over the offseason, the miscut uh, back in Las Vegas, and, again, people tending to fade the previous champ. So I like him at 11-4. I like Jason Day at 9,500. He's got a good history here. Uh, you look at his, the last two times he's played here. He had a T5 last year. He was T11 in 2017. We haven't seen him in a little bit, but he's another guy. Also checking boxes off the T, uh, driving distance, par 5 scoring. I like that as well. Look, you know, he's, he's, I think he's going to be another low-owned play right here that's worth a shot for GPPs. Um, so... There you go. That's those are the, really the only two different guys that I had that you didn't mention were Day and Kepka. Yeah, man, I don't know about that day. That day, that day call. Um, I mean, I don't know. We Why just not? haven't seen I mean, him in a, in in a no cut event. I don't know. I, so again, that's another reason you're going to get lower ownership. Yeah. If you're yeah. going to talk about ownership being key, I'm not saying then that. You need to, I'm not, I, then you got to find. You got. That means I can still disagree. That, might get that means I can still disagree with somebody. No, I'm not saying you can't disagree. I'm fine with you disagreeing with Jason Day. Look, Day is hit or miss a lot, but he's still a solid player. He's got good history here. He's checking boxes, and he's pro- you know coming in. So what? We haven't seen him in a little bit. Maybe he's practiced a little. He's better now. I mean, do you think though that like I don't know. I mean, I know we. I don't know. I'm not going to get into that. That's that's the weeds. All right, why don't you start the 8K range? Two tournament plays, a cash lock, and a fade. All right, so I'm going to start off with a guy I just mentioned. I think if you're going to play one of these young guns, you play Matthew Wolf at 8,800. I think he can bomb this course all over the place. You know, definitely he's checking boxes and driving distance off the tee, par five scoring, opportunities gained, strokes gained approach across the board. I, I love some Matthew Wolf. I don't know where the ownership's going to be. We'll see. Um, but when you it'll, look at all the stats up there. that I do like – yeah, it, it may I be love that. Play. I love that quote. By the way, I'm going to write that down. That's that's some hard hitting analysis. He's going to bomb this course all over the place. <laughs> that's brilliant. Uh, yes, I appreciate that you like that. Um, <laughs> another guy that I, I do like um, is Danny Willett at 8900. He's a guy that's been playing really good on the European tour lately, and and has come around. And then even like you look at his game, like everybody was kind of off of him the last few years, but. You look at last year, I mean, he had he was T23 here, um, so he does have a good finish on this course. Um, you know, again, like I said, the form is good. I, I just like Danny Willett. I think he's he's uh, his, he, he's back. He's back. I'm just, I'm glad so you said, I'm I, glad you learned to say his name right after four years. You said Danny Willett. I don't know why it not is. Danny Willett. I don't know why it is on this show. Like, literally, I will read his name constantly when I'm going over my research the correct way. But then when I get on this show, I say it wrong. I don't. I don't know what it you is. You do still say. Like you a, do still like say Matthew Woof, which I love. I love. So so you're Wolf. down with Woof and Willet. Okay. Wolf and Willet. 
Cash, I'm going to go with my boy Neiman. I, I think he's just been playing too well. I know he missed his. I think he missed his last cut. I can't remember. Um, yeah, he yeah, did. he did. But you know, a win back at the Greenbrier, just been playing incredible golf. So I do like him in cash. My fate's going to be Kevin Na at 8600. I think he's going to be a guy that pe- a lot of people want to play. You know, I mean, I, I know he's been playing great. He's coming off of a win and all that kind of stuff. The price looks really good at 8600. When you're looking at this field, a guy that's in the form that he's in, I just think he's going to be way overowned. And you know, I'm a big Kevin Na fan, by the way. I like I, the I guy. I freaking love I like Kevin the guy. I am a huge fan. But I think the ownership's going to be too high this week, and and I, so I'm just going to fade that ownership. Um, so there you go. That's the fade. Well, let's talk about Kevin Na for a second. Brief brief time out here. Um, I like Kevin Na too a lot, and he did just win. He did just win uh, the Shriners in in Vegas, one of his home events here. Um, but he, he he's his best finish here in the two attempts is 47th. Not great. Um, he does, you know, he does check the putting box, but that's about it. He puts well on bent grass. He, he doesn't gain strokes off the tee. His irons, even in the last 12 rounds, where four of those were at Vegas, were not tremendous. If you remember, what did he do well at Vegas? Well, he set the he set the PGA Tour record for feet of putts made in a tournament uh, with like 566. The guy literally could not miss um, a putt. So I don't know that just based on that alone, he's worth the play. However, uh, if you if you follow golf close enough, you may have heard a little bit about the story with Kevin Nye, what's going on with him, and and maybe the reason it was the reason behind his uh, his post his post win interview on the course when he won a couple weeks ago that he gave a message to Korea um, in 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 his language uh, in Korean and um, basically then opened up about it to Golf Digest a few a few writers and we're not really going to get into it. It's you can go and read it, check it out. But there's a lot of um, there's a lot of people in in South Korea that are not fans of Kevin Na. They're not fans of uh, of him for one reason or another. He's got a there, there was a marital issue that, that seems like it was not his not not really uh, anything egregious that he did on his part, his, yeah. but kind of a cultural thing that didn't really um, sit well with some people over there. Um, and it was a, it was an interesting situation where he, it sounds like he was being taken advantage of. Um, in terms of him being an athlete, being famous, having money. And it's just a really crappy situation. It's kind of a sorry PR situation for him. Um, and and I read the article on Golf Digest, Pat, and um, he mentioned he mentioned that he, it just it's hard for him to go back there, that he loves it, but it's hard for him to go back there and play. And, in fact, one of the years he was there, uh, someone involved in this legal dispute that he's in was there picketing with a sign – uh, at the tournament entrance, um, it just made a big deal about it, and uh, it's kind of a weird situation. But even he, in this interview, said, "You know, uh, I, I don't have the quote in front of me, but it was something like, you know, we're going to go and play, but we'll see how well it's received. Like, like we'll see how well it goes." He didn't really sound like he had a whole lot of confidence in either, you know, how he would play under those under those circumstances or how he'd be received. It sounds like there's a lot of stuff that just kind of sits on top of him when he plays in Korea, and it's kind of tough to, to play under. Vice versa, it's like the article talks about when he found the, this, the woman that he's married to now and, like, how his whole life changed, how he got rid of the, the, the yips, you know? Like, 
everything kind of cleaned up for him, and he just like everything was was at peace within him. And now here, you know, he's playing some of the best golf of his career over the last two seasons. And it made it reminded me of our boy John Tillery when we interviewed John Tillery. And what did he say when we asked him, "Hey, you know, if you were making picks week in and week out, what would you look at? You know, is it is it stats? Is it course form? Is it recent history? You know, what is it?" And he said, "It'd be strokes gained, home life." You know, he's like, how are things at home? How are things with mama? How are things with the kids? How are things with the spouse? How are things with the girlfriend? How are things, whatever. And I think the Kevin Na story is an interesting illustration of just that. I mean, this guy was notoriously slow. He was, um, he, he had some, some yips going on. Uh, he, he'd back off of shots. And then things kind of get settled. Things kind of get right. And he finds his groove. But Korea, I believe, makes him uncomfortable. I mean, at least he, he said it himself. I mean, I would love to be wrong, and I hope he comes out there and plays really well this week. But it doesn't sound like even he's all that confident. What are your What are your thoughts? Is yes. that, did that have anything to play? No, into so it? I'll just. No, I think it, it did a little bit, and I'll I'll read the quote you're talking about. He said, "I love Korea and the fans over here. I'm playing the best golf of my life." So that tells you a lot, which he is, I think. This should be a great week, but we'll, well see how yeah. it goes. I just want I just want the fans to get to know the real me. In some ways, I feel like I've been forced to hide. I'm not doing that anymore. So he's obviously confident coming over there. There is a little bit of me that makes me nervous. Like when you, like you talk about being forced to hide, like you're kind of like going out on the golf course. Are you are you looking around like wondering what you know? You're distracted, and anytime you're distracted on the golf course, I don't care how good you're playing. There's gonna yeah. be there's gonna be some problems, and and so that does worry me a little. And look, like I said, I'm such a huge fan of Kevin Na. We didn't get to talk about it last week because we didn't do the show, but his whole walking it in after the yeah. <laughs> on that, I mean, just like his confidence and the way he does it, I just think he's great. I'm a huge fan. I I I I, I may have I can't remember how I felt about him when he was showed all the slow tendencies and backing off shots and yips and everything else, but. I, he he has definitely grown on me, and so, um, but we'll yeah. see. There well, I had give us give us. Your I guys. had him written down as a fade as well, so uh, I'm with you there. Um, I I was gonna so I wrote down Neiman as a pivot for Matthew Wolf because I feel like I feel like Wolf will be the chalky move here, and I I I like the Neiman play. Um, as you mentioned, he won the Greenbrier's first PGA Tour win. We all saw it coming. He's playing great. But then, you know, the next two events, he kind of just, you know, craps down his leg a little bit, which I think is, is common for maybe a young first-time winner. I think you see it. But when I look at the, the, the stats that I did mention, he is killing it. In the last 12 rounds in this field, he's 15th in off the tee, strokes gained off the tee, 19th in strokes gained approach, 7th in opportunities gained, and 9th in greens in regulation. Uh, and he ranks 11th in this field in strokes gained putting on bent grass over the last 100 rounds. If you look at his last eight events, three of them were on bent grass greens. He finished first, 30th, and 10th in those events. Joaquin Neiman obviously feels quite comfortable on bent grass. Uh, I do feel like he's going to be uh, you know, a, a, nice, a nice pivot. F- played here last year, finished 36th. I like him a lot. And then I'm going down to the bottom. I'm going, uh, I'm going Dylan Fratelli, who has not played here before. But the, um, you know, the, the, the South African bomber hits it a long way. He's played in windy conditions. So if the wind does change, he's got a proven track record in the wind, not only from playing on the European Tour a lot, but also played at University of Texas. Uh, played some pretty you know, windy conditions throughout that career. 
Finished sixth at the Sanderson Farms, seventh at the Safeway just a couple of weeks ago. Did miss the cut at the Shriners, but um, Dylan Fratelli hits the ball a long way, and his irons are spot on right now. So I think he could be maybe one of the lower owned guys in the 8K range. Um, and actually, I'm gonna play with I'm gonna play him in cash. Um, I like him in cash. You're gonna notice something with my cash plays. Uh, I I am gonna go. I like a lot of the 9K. I, I want to fit in as many 9K studs that I like as possible. So therefore, I went bottom end on the 8K range. And I'm about to hit you with a bottom end play on the 7K range. That I will play in cash in addition to one guy in the 6K that I really like for cash. So that's a cash strategy for me, and that's that's what you're going to find. Um, okay, nice. All right, let's get to the 7K spot. Um, Pat, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off with Corey Connors. Really tough to avoid Corey Connors. First in off the tee, eighth in approach, 11th in opportunities gained, second in greens and regulation. 13th uh, is was the last event he played in to finish that. Uh, finished 13th, good Lord, at the Safeway. He's never played here before, but I, I love the scoring ability of Corey Connors. Arguably one of the best iron players on the PJ Tour. And, uh, yeah, 7,800, I will, I will take it. Then I'm going to get to Ryan Palmer, who shot a 10-under 62 on the final round here last year and almost took it from old Brooks's clutches, but he held on. And Palmer, uh, I don't, yeah, he held on to finish tied for third. Palmer, you know, been playing okay. He's had a decent year. Finished 37th at the Shriners. That was his first event uh, since the end of the of the previous season. But he checks the box off the tee, checks the box with his irons. It's all about the putter for Brian Palmer. And at $7,200, I will take my chances uh, in a no-cut event where I think Bombers have a clear advantage. Another Texas guy. So if the wind kicks up, Ryan Palmer can play in the wind. And then uh, I'm going to go with Harold Varner III. I mentioned him uh, near the top. I mean, uh, HV3 has felt very, very close lately. Um, you know, top 20s at the Greenbrier in the Safeway. And, um, you know, finished 26th here in his first attempt. But he, he checks the box off the tee. He checks the box in greens and regulation. He just feels so close. And for a $7,100 price tag, I love it. So those are three tournament plays. But I do have a cash play here that, I'm comfortable in cash or uh, in, as well. Actually, he's probably actually honestly, he's probably better suited. Honestly, I should make HV3 my cash play because he could be chalky. So I'll say HV3 is my cash play. I'm going to play Luke List in tournaments. We are starting to see some form from old Luke List, uh, which is great. It's refreshing. I like Luke a lot, but he's been pretty sorry lately. But he finished 13th at the Shriners and 28th just last week at the Houston. And in the last 12 rounds, so those two events and, and the two events prior where he missed the cut, 10th off the tee, 36th in approach, 10th uh, in opportunities gained, and he's checking the box in greens and regulation. Uh, and he played here one time two years ago and finished fifth. So I think that's an interesting play. I, I like Luke List a lot at 7K. Uh, I'm going to fade Emiliano Grillo. He just can't put it all together. I don't see the high finishes for Grillo. Um, he's just he's, the form's not there. He's not checking boxes. It's just not. It's not. Actually, he is kind of checking boxes, but. Form is not there. History is not there. You just can't put it all together. And then I'm going to fade Sabatini. I think Sabatini at 7,900 is a, a, a wildly inflated price. He hasn't played here before. Uh, we haven't seen him play since the – well, he missed the cut at the Shriners. Before that, we, we just saw the end of his season, which was okay. But that's not a whole lot of, a, you know, uh, the, to, to write home about here in terms of recent form. At 7,900, there's too many – there's too much value around him to waste the money there. So that's it. Wow. 
this is this is goes by fast when you have a lot of players that are the same that you like uh, and dislike. So I'm with you on on Grillo. I don't I don't like he's a fade for me. It drives. It, I think every. What are you laughing at? <laughs> Josh Kistler. Oh God. This guy's become said, like a, a third member of the podcast. He said, I think Pat has a smudge on his camera lens. Did he rub his hair before he adjusted the lens before his podcast? Olive oil and camera lenses don't mix. <laughs> he knows how oily you are. <laughs> you do, you do yeah. kind of look grainy. I actually don't. Honestly, Josh, in his defense, I don't think it's oil from his, uh, his, his, his skin. I actually think it's just his piss-poor internet connection. It. It probably is, yeah. but you would look grainy to me as well. So, yeah. I mean, this stupid YouTube stuff, God, I hate it. Anyway, I'm with you on Grillo. I mean, the thing is, the reason, I mean, he checks a lot of boxes. People are going to, I mean, if you're looking at it, I mean, the stats, he's there. Um, but I'm, I'm with you. I just, I don't like the form, so I'm going to fade him. So I'm, I'm totally with you there. I can't believe you mentioned Ryan Palmer. I, for some reason, I thought I might be a little sneaky with that play. Oh, uh, no way. 7,200. So I do, yeah, he was, he was one of my tournament plays. Uh, the other tournament play and cash play was Luke List at oh. 7,000. I love his history. I think he's got, you know, he obviously had a good finish here a couple years ago. He's in, in good form. So checks the box as far as stats are concerned. So I do like him at 7,000. So we can quickly move through that. Um, okay. The other guy, though, that I, that I did like uh, here in this spot was Ian Poulter at 7,700. We've seen him play a lot of European events lately. He's made six or seven cuts on, on that tour, really over the last um, five or six. So we've seen him play some recently, which is good. Um, you know, you look at the course history here. Uh, he's finished, you know, top ten last year, T15 in 2017. So has obviously played this course well in, in both conditions, whether it was easy with the wind, with no wind or hard with wind. So um, I do like that for Ian Poulter. So he will be one of my tournament plays. I actually faded Corey Connors. Ooh. I think Corey Connors is going to get talked up, talked up a ton Ooh. this week. I think a lot of people are going to be on him. He's got no history Oof. on this course. He de he definitely checks all the boxes. Look, if, if you're looking at stats, other than par 5 scoring, where he's 49th in the field, and I'll throw this out, he's 60th, 60th in the field when it comes, comes to strokes game putting on bent, if you go back over 100 rounds. So he's not historically great on bent grass greens. So I don't like that about Corey Connors also. Um, but, look, I can't – I just think, you know, in this range, yeah, you're going to have to plant your flag there. I, I'm with you, too, on Sabatini fade. But I think Corey Connors is going to garner a little bit of ownership, I think, based off stats, everything else. Um, he's been just seems – everybody seems to be talking about him this fall. Like, every week, I feel like that's he's all He's a I'm stud. And it – I, just don't I mean, I like him, but, you know, sorry, Corey. Yeah, remember we met at Masters Week, remember? We did, man. Lovely him. guy. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, he will be my fade this week. So we do have some disagreement there. Other than that, though, we have a lot of agreement. Yeah, all right. And I do like HV3. I like HV3, but I think he's going to be super, super high. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's talk 6K. I got three guys in the 6K I like. Uh, I'll start from... Uh, let's see. We're, I'll actually start from the from more of the bottom tier. This guy, I mean, you guys know it is really hard. Actually, there's a couple guys in here that are very hard for. If you mention Wyndham Clark, I'm just gonna go ahead. And shut okay, this down. okay. I don't. I don't. Don't mention Wyndham okay, Clark. Okay. Because I, I I don't I can't I take promise that you because we can't you can't take. 
I, I promise you I had them written down, and then I made myself scratch them out. So I was not going to mention him. I, ha- I, I do okay. have him written right. down, and I cannot say with 100% certainty that I will not be using all of my monies on him come, come Wednesday. Dude, that's something we should mention. If you're on the East Coast, this thing kicks off Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern. So remember, they're they're yes. they're 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 Get on the, tomorrow. Good point. That's, you're you're on fire, David. Yeah. On fire. So if I could just get some tweets tonight. and some uh, some people reminding me on Wednesday around 5 p.m. Eastern to abort on Wyndham Clark, uh, that would be nice. Otherwise, I it will not be pretty. But I did have I did write him down as soon as I saw the price. I was like, oh god, a $6,300 Wyndham Clark. Uh-uh. And I just I can't you can't do it. But I am gonna go to another guy who I also really have a hard time quitting. However, this guy has won me money. He has won me money on DraftKings, and I hit him at 150-1 to 1 first-round leader bet last can year. I guess? Yes, you can. Matt nope. Jones? Okay. Wait, let me get him. Oh, John Johnny Vegas. Vegas. Can't, I mean, checks yeah. the boxes. He did play here in the first year, only finished 54th, whatever. Form's not great, but even with poor form of the last three rounds, third off the tee, uh, checks the box in greens and regulation, opportunities gained. It's all about the putter. He's kind of like Ryan Palmer. He's just a tee to green stud. You just got to get him dropping a few putts, which we know can happen on any given week. I think Johnny Vegas' 6,400 is a tremendous value. He's a proven PGA Tour winner. He's competed in big fields. Um, he's competed here before. I really like JV at 6,400. And then I'm going to jump up to 6,600. Keith Mitchell, really tough not to play. I feel like the first event of the fall swing that he, that he played in, um, I guess it was the Shriners where he missed the cut. I mean, to me, listen, we, we know a little bit about Keith Mitchell. We, we kind of got some ties on him. Keith was having himself a damn good time in the offseason. Like, the Shriners in Vegas was like a vacation and like, let me shake the rust off for Keith Mitchell. But don't forget, Keith Mitchell's a serious player. Won the Honda um, in a great field um, and, and has competed at, at, on, on big-time events. He played here last year, finished 14th. And just checks the box off the tee and approach with iron play. I love him at 6,600. And then finally, my guy that I'm also going to play in cash. This is going to be. This is going to. So when I said that you even in cash you would probably need a little bit of, of ownership leverage. Here's your guy, Sung Kang. Can I guess this? Oh, one? Sorry. Okay, no, I was going to be wrong. I was going to be wrong. Sung K at 6,700. Uh, last three events has been 29th at the Shriners. Most recently missed the cut at the Safeway. 47th. At the uh, at the Greenbrier has played here both years as uh, I believe he was I, I believe it's been a sponsor's exemption, well known Korean player uh, both years but finished 29th last year was his best finish. Sung Kang ab- absolutely bombs the golf ball can score on par fives, uh, hits greens in regulation you know that he's he's a solid player there. I think those three guys are all very viable plays in the 6K range. I like them a lot all of those guys. So Kang Mitchell and Vegas that'll button it up for me. All right, well, I mentioned one of them. I had two here. One of them was Wyndham Clark. It's just hard to quit the guy. Are you I'm serious? Talented. I like Wyndham Clark. <laughs> Come on. You just got you just got on me for playing Wyndham Clark. No, that's what I was – I didn't want you to take him because I didn't want you to oh, take him. I thought you were saying picks. because I always pick him and he always screws me. So you're going to play Wyndham Clark? Don't I'm going to play, play Wyndham Clark. He's coming off some – Okay, all right, all right, I want to play him. I'm going to play him. Let's not play him in DFS. Let's pool our money together, and just and right. just this is a good. Decision. Let's just this is probably avoid a good him in DFS. We'll pool our money together on my bookie, okay, and just bet him. Let's just bet him. Actually, let's bet him outright, and let's bet him to like top ten. That way, 
Okay. All right. I like that plan. That's because a good plan. I have a, I have a backup He's, he's plan 200 to 1 on my book. 200 to 1 in a 78-man field yeah, where just... really there's 50 guys that could win this thing, and he's one of them. God, that kid is so talented. Anyway, um, where I thought you were going to go when you went Sun Kang was actually in that same range as Adam Long at 6,700. I've had him in some lineups lately, and he's done well for me. You look at his last three events, T14 at the Greenbrier, T23 at Sanderson, uh, same thing, T23 at the at the uh, Safeway. I just like how this, this kid is playing right now. You know, he kind of randomly got a win last year when nobody really knew about him. Um, but he's a solid golfer. Uh, he's checking the box in par five scoring, also opportunities gained, strokes gained approach. So I do like some Adam Long here at 6,700. Um, that's probably it. I mean, I don't know. I, Vaughn Taylor does interest me a little bit. I know he's not the longest off the tee, but he is a great putter on the short greens. He's top twenty. He's not short, but he's you know, but he's top twenty in the field in putting in on bent grass. You get him at sixty five hundred in a four you know four round event with no cut. I'm okay with a little Vaughn Taylor there at sixty five hundred. So there you okay. go. Um, I want to talk a little gambling real quick before we move on. So. <clears throat> we're talking about, first of all, we had somebody ask about the chalk bomb. By the way, can I just say, like, people don't, either people just don't listen to certain, I guess they tune out, which which I'm guilty I of. I think there's, we have, there's and issues. And people. There's, there's attention span issues or people aren't listening when they say they are. Yeah, and we also tweet about it. But we have tweeted that the chalk bomb email that is going out every Wednesday night that if you're not subscribed to, I don't know what you're doing, best piece of free content money can buy. The Chalk Bomb email for the swing season right here does actually not have the Chalk Bomb portion in the email. We know it's weird. We'll probably never do it like this again. We'll probably change the name in the swing Call season. Call it something different. But yeah. it actually doesn't have that part. But that is that part is coming back in January. In the meantime... I'm giving you my DB's Big Balls betting card that's that's up 60 units already through just five events, okay, four, four events. Um, Pat is bringing you a, a couple of segments that we'll talk about here. Well, we can talk about it, Pontificate, uh, pontifications with Pat. Um, we've got Pat's sommelier write-up. We've got uh, the 10 facts and all, all kind of great stuff, right? So... First of all, yes, the chalk bomb will be out tomorrow night before they they tee off at six uh, or Wednesday night before they tee off at six p.m. Which Pat, that means you're gonna have to get me your stuff sooner. Um, but I feel like in the let's just let, let me talk about that real quick. Just you and I talking here. I feel like I've been okay with the uh, with the deadlines yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. But anyway, yes, it's going out. So just hold your horses on the actual chalk bomb, chalk bomb piece. It's not there. But we've tweeted about it. We've talked about it. And then I got we got tweets every day. Hey, where's the where, where's the chalk bomb? Hey, we had somebody sub- unsubscribe last week because I signed up for the chalk bomb and now I'm not getting it. Well, can you wait for like six weeks and not unsubscribe? I don't even understand. Um, it, it's just ridiculous. Um, but I was going to say, in that chalk bomb, stay tuned because I, I, I'm, I'm going to have an interesting betting card that I'm writing up for this one. And, I mean, I'm looking at some numbers right now. Our friends at mybookie.ag, which if you're not already betting on mybookie.ag, I wish you would. 
We have about 700, 1,000 of you jokers that are betting on my bookie AG on our promo code and being hooked up and taken care of with a concierge service um, from mybookie.ag, and that's what you get. So go bet. That's where we bet. That's where everybody we, we work with bets. You can bet on literally anything, but the golf offerings are great. And by the way, there's some new golf offerings that are coming in January that are going to be freaking killer. Also, when you sign up, use promo code TOURJUNKIES, all in word, all lowercase. And at le- will you at least deposit $50? Like, that helps us out a little bit. Like, that, that's your way to give back. Just freaking put $50 in there. Don't open it with zero, okay? It's a little complex to make deposits, but it's not impossible. If Pat can do it a couple times, so can you guys. Pat's even made a couple of withdrawals, won a couple of big bets. Hey, if he I, can do I it. Can, I've even used the Bitcoin Yeah, stuff. it's easy. So just try it. MyBookie.ag, promo code uh, Junkies. But when I'm looking at some of the numbers, um, I mean, there's some long odds – Fellas, I'm I'm peek I'm peeping right now. Some long odds, some fellas. Long odds, fellas. HB, H- <laughs> I like that. We're coming we up with some good, good terms tonight. Some long odds, fellas. <laughs> write that one down. I mean, HV three at 110 <laughs> at 110 to one. You know, and I got Kistler over here chirping in my ear that he always falls for HV three and doesn't ever get a return. Well, Kistler, maybe it's because you weren't listening to us last year when we hit HV three on a first round leader bet at 100 to one, sir. Um, but can I make a point here real quick though? Let me say something too about this. Yeah. If there's, I like also if there's guys that I'm playing a lot as far as DraftKings are concerned or Fanduel or whatever you're on. I mean, if if you just for some reason don't fall onto that guy in your lineups, bet him. Put him yeah. on. Put him on a first round leader or put him on a on a win bet. You know, at least so because at least you'll be like. God, I really wanted to play Dylan Fratelli this week, but he never ended up in my DraftKings lineups. But I'm going to put a little small, little small steer yeah. on him for uh, for a bet. You know, do that. I think that's that's totally something you should look at doing. Yep, 100% agree. Um, but yeah, just off the off the rip, HB3 at 110 to one, Palmer at 100 to one. Your boy, probably the shortest I'm going is your boy Matt Wolf at 40 to one. And there's a great example actually. So I mentioned like. I like Matt Wolf, but I think he's going to be popular in that range on DK, so I'll pivot to Neiman, who I think will be less popular. Uh, but I do like Matt's odds here. I, I like I like his I like the number at forty to one to win this event. So I'll probably put a unit on him uh, or maybe a halfsy on mybookie.ag, and then um, yeah, and then just probably not play him in DraftKings. So there's just a few that HV three Palmer Matt Wolf I could see being a few guys, but I, I'm I'm liking this. Uh, I'm liking this card for my bookie. Uh, I'm excited about it. And again, we're through five events. We're up 60 units thanks to 150 to one first round leader bet at the Greenbrier with Mr. Robbie Shelton. So check it out. Uh, also, Pat, I mean, I gotta say, compliments to you. We've had a lot of compliments on pontifications with Pat. I mean, it's been very good. In fact, people are demanding that it stay in the email in January, and I believe it should. I, I also vote that it should, and I hope. I hope you'll continue to grace us with the random synapses that fire off in that little in that little tiny pea brain of yours. Uh, yeah, well, I appreciate that. Not the pea brain part, <laughs> but I do think that uh, it's some it's some interesting stuff. It's just stuff that pops in my mind. I mean, literally, and it could be really crazy, or it could be something. Usually, it's not very serious. Sometimes I throw some serious stuff in there, but uh, it's just look. My mind is weird. It is a freaking weird OCD mind. It really is. And so I think sometimes pe- people need just some insight into the way it works. Yeah. Maybe they're suffering with the same kind of weird mind that I have. And so that they, they it's helping them. 
in some way. Who knows? But I like yeah. writing it. It's fun, and uh, I will continue to do it. And, I mean, for my betting card, I mean, we, I've written it now four times or five times. I can't remember. We, we hit the 100. You've always got yeah, someone. Yeah, I was going to say. You've always got someone in the We hunt. hit the 150 to yeah. one week one, which gave us, now we're playing with house money, right? And then, and then every week after, we have had a sweat. I mean, last week it was Cam Tringali who just came out Sunday flat AF. But we've always had we've had we've always had some kind of sweat. So hop on and come come sweat with us uh, and subscribe to the Chalk Bomb on tourjunkies.com. If you scroll to the bottom of the homepage on the website, bottom right, you can put in your email and that'll subscribe you. Um, all right, Pat. I mean, you know, Lanto Griffin won the Houston Open. Which I'm excited about. Lanto seems like a cool guy. Um, it was fun to watch. You have any thoughts on the on the Lanto victory? Um, I thought it was a good victory. I mean, he he. Ooh, that was tough at the end. He had that long, like sixty footer yeah. to 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 two. That was pretty ballsy. And ended up doing that. And and we've we've been fans of his for a while. As a matter of fact, um, I'll just say I texted with somebody very familiar with with Lanto um, before the week started he was asking me about uh, who I liked and this is, is someone in the golf industry and we didn't do the show but I said you know I haven't done a ton of research but at this point my favorite player for the week is Lanto and it turned out it turned out pretty good uh, unfortunately I didn't throw a bet on that so I can't really I don't even know why I'm saying this because yeah. it's just stupid that I didn't do that but anyway I've been a big fan of his I think he's a he's Obviously played well this year. Good for you, Pat. You know what? You know what? Week. You said it because you need a little affirmation, man. Good for you. Way to go, Pat. You yes. know what? Way to go. Mm. Good for you, buddy. I appreciate that. But yeah, you know, I was glad to see him win. Um, you know, he's got a connection with our buddy Willie Wilcox. He does. He does. He does. Actually, Willie uh, had him caddy for him. A few times was it the Greenbrier where he had the big the big win? I'm not sure. Not not yeah, he didn't win, it, but uh, yeah, it, it might have been. Not didn't win, but he he, he got him some money and got him uh, some money. that helped Lanto that helped him uh, continue his his tour career. Got so, him uh, some money. I, 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 I that was good. That was a little bit interesting as well. Um, do you know what I want to talk about? Would it be the perfect lineup? I've got. Uh, no, per- perfect no, lineup. Something I'm kind of last week. Go you t- you talk about the perfect lineup, then I want to talk about in DraftKings would have been Lanto Griffin, Mark Hubbard, uh, Zing Zong Zhang, Sepp Straka, Scott Harrington, Taylor Gooch at 639 points, only using forty three thousand eight hundred dollars worth of salary space. I mean, imagine that. Mm. Imagine that. That's yeah. something to learn. We're going to keep documenting that because I just think it's interesting. We've seen. I don't, what's the what is the number on that? Because we've seen that. Be yeah. like leaving a lot of money on the table in the fall so far. It's the perfect lineup. It's it yeah. is. Uh, yeah. yeah. We'll so what are you? What are you tired of? I had I had, I had Griffin and Zang in, in in my lineups, but not the yeah, rest. Yeah, I had Zang and Tringali and not the rest. I, here's what I'm tired of. Okay, and it's just because I think it's become like people are going to be Democrats, people are going to be Republicans, they're going to be whatever, and it's just you're never changing anybody's mind. But it's the whole golf golfing thing. Oh, come on, Pat. Okay. I'm, t- I'm done. I've been worn out. I'm tired of it. Like, if you just, if that's what you want to do, then just freaking say golfing. I can't. I don't care. I think it's stupid. And I'm just, I'm giving up, though. I'm trying to convince people that they, sh- they shouldn't say golfing. Because it's dumb. 
There's no reason to say it. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But I just, I, all I keep hearing about is th- th- this, this, people want to use it. I don't care. Whatever. I'm tired of it. So I guess everybody knows that if you see a golfing rant on Twitter, it's from me. Because I, I hate it. I don't even You do. I don't even you care. hate it so much. And I, I get it. I'm totally with you, but I'm just, oh, well, I just, I feel like I'm wasting my time trying to convince people that it's just dumb to say it. Yeah. Uh, I just like proving that I'm right and fighting with people. Um, I, yeah, and what's crazy is, like, of the two of us, the one in this relationship that gets worked up over the silliest stuff is not me. It's usually Pat. Uh, but is, but he, is, is he has let me. this one go from his, from his grip quite easily, and I just can't. It just ticks me off. I feel like I'm kind of done. I feel like I have a little rest, you know, like, like I feel like I have, is restitution the right word? Closure. That's probably better. In that we surveyed yeah. our PGA Tour friends. You know, we, we talked about golfing, like saying the, the saying the word golfing or saying let's go golf instead of let's go play golf. Um, that golfing is not a verb. Right? We talked about that a couple a couple episodes ago. I ranted about it in the putter throw, which is the new segment. But um, and then after that, we took a little survey and and we. We texted nine, uh, nine. We got responses back from nine PGA Tour pros that we're friends with, and 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 four caddies that we're friends with. Well, four, this is how many responded. So of the nine tour pros, one said that it was acceptable to say golfing or golf. Okay, and of the four caddies, one agreed that you could say golfing or golf. Go golf, right? Uh, so I'm like, and and a couple of the tour pros were adamant no's, like f no. Or hell no. Like they said no, and then like you like you expect they're busy and they're not going to really text yeah. that much. But then they just continue. Yeah, they to double text down you on no. You it. don't say that. And yeah. then our boy Will Wilcox says today, yeah. no, that chops like basically hacks say golfing and let's go golf together. Like it's just not part of the vernacular. Like if you say that, you're probably a freaking hack. And if you are a hack and you don't and and you embrace that, which is fine. I mean we're hacks too, but you know we're trying to be something else. Just don't say it. it just it's, it's like put. It's like putting. You know what it's equivalent to? Actually, I just thought of it. It's like putting iron head covers on your irons. Like, what's the difference? Like, if you if you want to if you want to put probably, iron head covers probably. on your irons, then you can. And why can't you? Other than the fact that it's dumb, and you literally never see a tour player ever do it. No, nobody ever that you've ever seen that is good at golf does that. And nobody that's good at golf says golfing or let's go golf, pal. They don't say that. They say let's go play golf. So anyway. See, I could probably hang my hat more on the whole iron cover thing than I can on the golfing. And it's it, again, it's just it's look. I hate. I don't. I'm not a fan of it. But it's just the. Okay. You have a lot of new new guy new people coming into the uh, game. Oh yeah. And, and yeah, whatever. that that's they, that's they what I love when the people on Twitter are like, oh, you guys are so pretentious that you can't. I'm like, dude, we're the le- we're like some of the least pretentious people that play on the golf course. Like, I'm I'm listening to freaking aggressive, unedited hip hop right on the course, loud. I'm wearing some loud A clothes. I I, yes. I, I hate anybody that says that you're. That yeah, you're I, like, I hate you personally. I hate are... having to tuck my shirt in on a golf course if I don't want to. Um, I I, I, I hate the, the the snooty country club vibe of of a lot of play. I don't. I won't go. So so you don't you. Don't, 
But but yeah, I mean, okay. So if I'm if if I have one little pretentious vein flowing through my body, it's that I think you sound like an idiot if you say golfing, because I don't say basketballing. So I don't want to hear that. All right. Okay. The putter throw is not a segment tonight. Um. Pat, did you ever get your Warby Parker glasses? Did you get those? I did. So they they have this thing where they you pick like five glasses, mm-hmm. and and it can be it can be sunglasses or it can be eyeglasses, mm-hmm. you know. And you 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 try it at home. It's free. They send them to you for free. Uh, they send you five in a box, and you try them on. And if you like one, you can you can buy it. If if not, you just send them all back or whatever. Uh, you send them all back anyway, but you choose one, and then they'll send you a new pair. Try them on, see how they look on your face. I get it. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's 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 perfect. Well, it's really cool. That's good. We're gonna get. To... My wife actually likes it more oh, than good. I do, but it's cool. We're gonna get to the chunk and run segment here in just a second. But before we wrap up with that, we do want to tell you guys about Warby Parker. We're sure you probably heard of them before, but if you're in the market for some glasses, prescription, or maybe even non-prescription, maybe if you just want to be stylish, right? Like like having iron covers, if you think that's stylish. Or yeah. you want some sunglasses, or and they also have prescription sunglasses. You can do that if you're if you think that you're get your your eyes are being you know destroyed by a blue light coming off your computer screen, and you want to get blue light filter lenses. You can do all of that through Warby Parker. Um, that you take a quiz, you answer a few quick questions. They'll suggest some great looking glasses, get them fit to your face and style. Pat mentioned the free home try on program. You can get five pairs, try them on for five days, no obligation to buy anything. Ships for free and includes the prepaid shipping label. Easy as that. If you go to warbyparker.com slash tourjunkies, you can order your free home try-on. Take the quiz, find the pair. Glasses start at $95. That does include prescription lenses. And all your lenses include anti-glare and anti-scratch coating and blue light filtering if you wish. If you have an iPhone 10 or later, make sure to download the app. And there, you can use new virtual reality, right? That's crazy. And you can try them on and look at yourself with the glasses on. It's pretty. See how they fit and all that fun stuff. Pretty, uh, pretty cool stuff. And for every pair of glasses sold, they distribute a pair to someone in need, which is also pretty cool. And uh, yeah, so head on over WarbyParker.com/slash/tourjunkies. That's W-A-R-B-Y-P-A-R-K-E-R. WarbyParker.com/slash/tourjunkies.com. Boom. All right. Boom. Chunk and run, Pat. Chunk and run. Yeah. Uh, we haven't had the chunk and run segment in uh, in a while. We've had we've been bringing on some new segments, and we, we still yeah, have. Yeah. Yeah. We still have some other. I like getting back. Yeah, to we it. have some other new segments that we haven't rolled out yet that we're also excited to bring you, but we may hold those till January. Uh, but tonight we're gonna get right back to the old chunk and run. If you're not familiar, the chunk is a question, anything related to golf that we want to talk about. It could be real golf, betting on golf, PGA Tour, whatever. The run is literally about anything else. So we take listener questions. Feel free to DM us those on Instagram or Twitter at tour underscore junkies. Or you can email them to us, info at tourjunkies.com. We need some new chunk and run questions. Go ahead and send those our way. We'd appreciate it. Uh, we, maybe we'll send you something. I'm not guaranteeing that we will, but maybe we will. So do that. Pat? I'm looking over at the, uh, the stash of uh, Tour Junkies gear thinking we don't have a whole lot. Yeah, we don't. But we might, maybe we'll We're about to refresh, though. We're about to refresh. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get to it. In the chunk portion of tonight's show, I'm going to educate the golfer. All right, I'm going to educate you guys today because I got educated myself. I had a wedge fitting this past weekend, Pat. Uh, for the first time in my life, I had a fitting for wedges at my local club. 
And um, I've been playing golf now for about 15 years. And I have been fit for golf clubs before, irons and driver, fairway wood, that kind of thing. But I've never had a true wedge fitting. I've actually even been fitted for a putter, but never a wedge fitting. So Titleist was at my club. I decided to go make an appointment. I went. I had a wonderful experience uh, with the fitter. It took about 45 minutes. But what I want to tell the, the listeners, if you're a golfer and you've considered getting a wedge fitting or you think you know, uh, I was actually educated that I don't really know a whole lot, or at least what I th- actually what I thought I knew was very wrong, and therefore I was likely making uh, poor decisions in my wedge selection. It was an interesting thing. I actually walked up. I have a so I have a pitching wedge, I have a 52 degree, a 56 degree, and a 60. And before I hit a golf shot, the guy goes, "Let me look at your clubs and see if I can tell you what your miss is with every club, with the wedges." And I said, "Huh, okay, let's do it." What did he do? Well, he told me exactly what all of my misses were with each one of those wedges. And uh, so then we, we started, what they do is they start you by filling your gaps. So I started with the pitching wedge, and I hit the pitching wedge. I'm hitting on a track man, so it's giving me my carry distances, my speed, all that stuff. And basically found that we had about a 20-yard um, gap, a comfortable 20-yard gap between my pitching wedge and my 52. Uh Then I hit the 52, and we found another gap between that and the 56. So once they get the gapping straight, okay, then they start looking at, um, I I went to the short game range, and I started chipping, and I hit shots out of the bunker. It was a very good experience. It was 45 minutes. I learned a lot. And actually, one of the biggest things I learned that I want to educate the listener on, if you have wedges, I always thought that the higher the bounce, right, the, the bounce number. Oh, so he asked me, did you buy your wedges straight off the rack? And I said, no, I would never do that. Why would any, I, I don't ever, I don't ever, I don't ever buy golf clubs off the rack. And by the way, I don't think you should either. Even if you're, if you're a 20 handicapper, you should never buy golf clubs off the rack. I don't believe in that whatsoever. Um, if you're a 20 handicapper, you need it more than probably the three handicapper. Get fitted. But anyway, I said, no, I did not do that. I went to Titleist.com and I just went through the club selection process where they ask you questions and you tell them what, and he's like, oh, yeah, well, that's not great, okay? It's, it's okay, but it's not great. Well, I always thought that the higher the bounce number, that the, the better it was for someone like me who would, I would consider myself kind of a digger. So, like, I kind of I, I make big divots, big, you know, I dig into it a little bit. So I thought the higher the bounce, the more it would help me not dig and it would, like, bounce through the turf a little easier. Well, what he tells me is that's actually the exact opposite. That if you're a digger, uh, you need a higher number, and that it, it 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 lessens how much you dig. So then when we started tweaking the clubs, um, it was crazy. So anyway, I had a really good wedge fitting experience, and I just want to share that for those of you who play real golf. And I, I'm an eight eight and a half handicap. So, but I think if you're anything from a scratch to a 15, you should go get a wedge fitting. Try that out. Very interesting. So I ended up getting a 50, a 54, and a 58 with very different bounce numbers than what I had in the, I'm sorry, not a 58, a 60. I got a 50, a 54, and a 60 is where I ended up going, uh, moving from a 52, a 56, and a 60. So very, very educational. Get fitted if you really want to get, get better at golf. Clubs, the clubs do matter. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think with the fitting as far as that's concerned, good, good info there, by Thank the you. way. And I will say when we were having... We were having this conversation earlier this week. I was like, wow, I didn't really know all that much went into wedges. Like, 
I just got yeah. a wedge and played it. Well, I mean, actually, I we have a question. That's, obviously, there's we a have a question right now on YouTube. Um, how should you buy new clubs? This is a real question. I am new to playing. That's a great question. You know, one of the things I'm very happy about that Tour Junkies has done in the last four years, we've had a number of people tell us that they actually got into playing golf from listening to our show. Either they, either they, um, you know, they, they, they never played and now they're interested just because we talk about it a lot, or they used to play, they put it down, and now they're kind of reignited. I love that. That's, that's freaking awesome. I love the game of golf. I know Pat does too. It's done a lot for me and my family. I freaking love it. So if you want to buy new clubs, if you're a beginner and you want to buy new clubs, I'll say this. I wouldn't spend a ton of money, for sure. Um, you don't need to buy the nicest things money can buy, but I do recommend a fitting. Um, you know, I, I guess there are there are definitely good fitters and probably great fitters. Um, I, I think the PJ Tour Superstore has some solid fitters if you have one of those nearby. Like going to like Dick's Sporting Goods or something like that is probably not ideal. Uh, I would go to a golf, an exclusive specific golf store. Yeah, I would get it more like a like an Edwin, Edwin Watts, Watts yeah. or something like that. Those those are going to be your they're going to have at least somebody yeah. in there that's cuz Edwin Watts employs a lot of like pro like pros actually. Um, because they they may double do double duty at Edwin Watts and then a course or something like that. But I think you definitely got to get fitted. It's it is key. Don't just buy them off the rack like you mentioned. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, there's so. I mean, when it comes to your particular swing, regardless of whether or not you're a really good player or a not so great player, um, being fitted is going to help your game because the the irons, the driver, everything is going to be tailored to how you swing right then. And then as you get better, they're going to kind of look at, at at that as well. So I think that this is key. And, and no matter where you are, I'm sure there's going to be something close like an Edwin Watts or or whatever. But um, and then public courses too, private yeah, courses, yeah. public courses, whatever. They they all have fitting events. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a private yeah. course. You know, maybe if if there's a public course near you, subscribe to their emails or something, and they'll tell you we've got the Titleist people out here coming sometime, or we've got the you know the tailor made people, or they may have a day where there's like tailor made Titleist Callaway, all of them are out there. So I think that's one thing you look for. Is but but definitely just just. Put a little more into it than just walking into Dick's Sporting Goods or wherever and saying, "Okay, these irons look good and they're my my price range, so I'm going to go in and just buy them." It's yeah, just, it, it just you're you're not doing yourself any favors by doing that. Uh, now, I do think you're getting into the weeds a little bit if you do like David and you get a putter fitting. I think that's a little bit too much, but <laughs> I'm okay. Like. <laughs> like I'm all right with like just getting a normal putter. Do off you remember rack. why I got Unless the putter fitting? Yeah, because you were at PXG, Mr. Highfalutin <laughs> guy. It was the only thing I could so afford. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. this, the same guy that asked about that said he has a PJ Tour store and an Edwin Watts and a PXG near him. I would not go to PXG. If you're just starting out, just don't. Yeah, don't. you may. Yeah, um, if you're close. Well, yeah. I don't. Not many people have a PXG uh, no. near them, so you must be don't, out in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. Do the. Um, man, yeah, just don't buy the most expensive clubs for sure. Yeah. Um, I just don't do. I, I if you and and also I would say go somewhere where they have a track man, a, a track man or a flight scope, uh, or something that's reliable. If you're just looking at some hack job on like a like the Dicks the Dicks radar thing is a such a crock. Like I've walked into Dicks just like messing around and hit a seven iron and the thing's telling me I'm hitting it like two twenty. They're so juiced and stupid that it's just not worth. And those guys don't know what they're talking about. Don't do that. Um, but yeah, do. If you're gonna, if you want to be better at it, invest in the fitting, 
and then buy some some decent clubs. They don't have to be top of the line. Buy some decent clubs, and then invest in lessons. Above all, take some lessons. You don't take a bunch of them, but take some lessons. All right, that's my that's my spiel there. Pat, why don't you hit us with the run portion of tonight's podcast, which, what is our topic for this evening? We're just going to talk about the National Football League, NFL. Because that's what everybody really wants to hear about anyway these days. As we are now in week, finishing up week six, by the way, um, here's my initial observation. One, what the hell is wrong with the Cowboys? I feel like they should be way better than they are. Um, they pretty much suck. They just lost to the Jets. By the way, Sam Darnold, Jets and Sam Darnold are so much better than I mean, they, they actually, I think he's a good quarterback. And so. I do too. I, I do like some Jets. I like some Jets with Sam Darnold. Um, but the Cowboys are always polarizing to me. And I don't think Jason Garrett's a very good coach. I'm just not a big fan of his. And I don't understand why they continue to, to stay with him. And I, I'm just and look, I'm not I'm not a Cowboys fan. I'm just saying I, I don't know if you're a Cowboys fan. Like, what are you thinking out there? Like, th- you should have you should be contending for Super Bowls every single year, and they just don't. And it's it's like like look, I'm a Falcons fan. No. I appreciate two thousand. I appreciate 2016. Now look, I think that was our window. That was it. Well, yeah, 28 to three at the half yeah. is what I would consider a wide ass window. <laughs> yeah, the window shut. That was a big old window. I don't think, like, I'm going to be dead. I'm the not, window I'm slammed on our fingers through. while we were trying to. Yeah. yeah. Like, we're we're literally grabbing the here's, trophy. Here's a question already being fingers. asked. Do we think Dan Quinn should be fired uh, during the season or at the end of the season? Uh, I don't think the I don't think an option is not fired at all. Uh, I think he should be fired. Um I think he should be fired, and I'm okay if they do it during the season. If you look at the assistants yeah. that he has, and I can't name them, but he's actually, I think he's got three assistants that have head coaching experience. So just go ahead and get rid of him, and let's just get to the. Let's just yeah, I, I think you go ahead and I, cut the I mean, the he's cord. not doing us any good. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, in business, you hire slow and you fire fast. I mean, you might as well do the same thing here. Um, fire him, see if it gives the team a shot in the arm with somebody, that, and that way you kind of get a decent sample size of who you have behind him that's already here to see what they can do. Maybe they end up turning the whole thing around and you think to yourself, hmm, maybe we keep this this guy on and, and have him coach next season, or maybe he, he, he continues to do the same bull and we just hire somebody fresh. I, I, I say go ahead and do it as well. Um, I, I will say this. This is interesting. I was listening to a podcast uh, a couple weeks ago, and they had this guy named Warren Sharp, who's a football, brilliant football mind. He's on Twitter. There's probably a lot of you that know who he is, but he's like – I guess he started out, he's some like data engineer, data analyst, or some really, really smart guy way over my head. Um, and basically, he's, he has a consulting company for NFL teams, and he consults like nine or ten NFL teams and with just data and analytics and stuff. And he was talking about all the things wrong with the NFL. And a couple of big key takeaways um, that I got from him are, number one, he's like, the NFL is, no, is, is 100% a passing league. No matter how old school your coach is, no matter how good your running back and offensive line are, no matter how badly you want to establish the run and you think that's the cool thing to do, it, it is no longer effective based on data. And the most effective thing you can do is pass the football. Now, it doesn't mean the run is obsolete, but it does mean that you should do it fewer than you probably were doing it 10 years ago. So he talked a lot about teams that make uh, – or, or he talked a lot about that. He talked about how more teams should go for it on fourth down – 
Uh, he talked about how the most like uh, highly effective play on fourth down is a QB sneak, and that more teams need to get better at it. Quarterbacks need to get better at it. Um, he talked about going for – You're saying fourth and fourth one. Fourth and one, yeah. Obviously. But he also talked about going for it more often on fourth down. But the thing that, that really hit me, and I guess this is I guess this is just – he. This guy was so smart, I just believe everything he's saying. He's like, the number one thing that makes a difference with a team is a coach. And and people think that by the time they get to the professional level – see, we, he was like, you know, we put all this weight in a coach in college because we still look at these guys as young kids and as, like, moldable. But then you think when they're a professional and now they're getting paid to do it that they've just arrived and the coach is more of a babysitter or a manager. And he's like, that's actually not, not the case. Like, the head coach and the decisions that they make – and the plays that they call, and the coordinators and the schemes that they run make a bigger difference than you can possibly imagine. And if you look at the Falcons, they are they are a hundred percent, a hundred percent that like all the talent on the field. We can talk about the talent on offense that we've had for years, like not just now, but when it was Julio and Roddy White and Tony Gonzalez. And I mean, we have we have had some stupidly talented offenses with horrible offensive coaching schemes and, and play calling. Uh, you know, War- except the except one the one year. year, and like Warren Sharp talked about, like he's like, man, one of the dumbest things that NFL coaches do that drive me nuts is they run on first down, like 70 percent of the time. They run on first down, they get behind the sticks, and then by the time it's third down, it's an obvious passing situation. The draw goes out the window, everything goes out the window. It's not third and two, it's third and six, third and seven. Um, and it just makes all the sense to me in the world. And he's talking to me, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is the freaking Falcons. So clearly one of the teams he's not consulting with is the Falcons because that's exactly what we did. Drives me nuts. Mm. No, I'm in total agreement there. Um, outside of that, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm sick of the PC sucks. shit at, in the NFL. I, I'm sick of it all together. Like, I just, it, just, it just drives me nuts. Like what PC shit? Like what are you talking about? Well, I mean, you got like the the freaking. I mean, you've had it for a while, and now it's just kind of the, the Redskins thing, and then you've got the Braves now. And I was a '90s Braves fan. I'm not a Braves fan now. Oh God, the Braves whole deal talking about the the tomahawk chop. Oh my. I mean, I gosh. just can't even. I, I can't. I, I'm not a Braves fan now because I was a Braves fan in the '90s. So I literally couldn't give two. In fact, I love watching the world burn and Braves fans lose it every fall. But as a Braves fan growing up in the 90s and the nostalgia that I had, I've probably been to 50 Braves games in my life. Um, I was also a Florida State fan in the 90s. I saw Deion Sanders play for Florida State. Uh, I've been in Florida State games where they did the chop. I was there when Deion brought it to Atlanta in the 90s. Like, give me a freaking break, man. Like, I, I'm so sick of this shit with the, with the whole PC bull. Like, I, I just can't. I, I can't stand it. And the, and the NFL just caters to all of it, too. I mean, it just drives me nuts. But anyway. It dry, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you there. Uh, we could go on and on about yeah. that. But um, I don't really have any other NFL observations. My uh, I think the fantasy teams have been weird. This, like, I think certain players have – it's just been a kind of a weird year so far when it comes to fantasy. Like, like you see, like, you know, like Russell Wilson's going nuts. You know, I mean, we everybody expected Mahomes to go nuts, but I don't no, know he'll, about Russell he'll Wilson. Hey, here's a question: will, will the Patriots lose a game? I don't. I mean, you look at their division; they're not going to w- lose a game in. Their I mean, I'm division. talking even in the playoffs. And like, are they going to lose a game at all before next season? 
I don't think I don't I don't see them. I think the only teams that are set up to maybe compete with them are obviously the Chiefs, who've been who've, who've okay. just gotten beat. Yeah. yeah, like by they. I mean, but I think they're still set up to be able yeah, to beat yeah. the, the Patriots. Um, outside of that, I don't know who else is really set up to to beat them. I, I just don't see it. That's where coaching too. You yeah. talk about coaching. I mean. There's just nobody that, that, that can match what they do as far as coaching, the leadership, all that kind of stuff is concerned. Um, everybody falls in line. The, the fact they had Antonio Brown come in was crazy to me. And it's funny because he ends up scoring a touchdown in the one game he plays for them. Um, and then they quickly got rid of him, which is, which is what they should have done. Um, no, I don't, I don't see them win, uh, losing a game. As I don't see... Um, Atlanta winning a game? Yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't see. Game. I don't oh, see the Patriots getting beat either. I, I three weeks into the season, I thought the Chiefs could beat them, and now that I watch them play a little bit, I mean, it, <coughs> the Chiefs' defense is they got is some not issues good. on defense. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it's just not good. So, I, I think the I think the Patriots go nineteen and zero. And I, for one, would like to see it. Actually, would like to see that. All right, man. Um, this is a good one. We will be back next week. I believe it is the is it the Zozo? Zozo? Is that what it is? A new yeah, event. Yes, a weird. Is one. it a new yeah. event or is it the WGC? What's next week? Let's look. No, yeah, next week is the Zozo Championship uh, in Japan. Zozo! Don't don't do that again. Okay. Uh, but we'll be back for that one. Also, we've got an incredible interview coming out this week. Uh, I teased it in the intro, but you're not you're not gonna want to miss it. Uh, Pat is also hopefully gonna um, pay Comcast to improve his internet before we get back next week. And uh, yeah, life will be good. Thank you guys. Uh, hope you have a great week. May your screens be green. See ya.